We are too much accustomed to attribute to a single cause that which is the product of several, and the majority of our controversies come from that. Marcus Aurelius Hey, everybody. Okay, so I'm here with Giselle Smith from Ohio today. Welcome, Giselle. Hi. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, today, well, when I sent out um, a questionnaire to this great community of emetophobic people who um, were willing to basically do this podcast with me because I couldn't do it without that community, um, I sent out a questionnaire. And so I asked a few questions. And one of the things that I asked um, was sort of what angle you might be interested in exploring. And Giselle wrote that uh, she was very frustrated about trying to figure out what caused her emetophobia. Yeah? Yes. yes. Right. So I think like what I'd like to do is kind of have you tell your story because that's interesting to people like, you know, what it was like for you growing up um, and when it started and, and kind of, so the only thing we have um, for a trigger warning is just use the word vomit, no other word and no like gory details. Right. So like, yeah, absolutely. just say, yeah, <laughs> you can say you were sick or something. So, yeah, tell us how you um, how you grew up and what that was like. So, it, if I am being completely honest, it's very spotty as far as um, when, when it started. If I had to pick a time that I could farthest, you know, back remember, um, I think I was about five years old, which is very young to have such vivid memories. Uh, you know, I'm 27 now. Um, I remember being very sick, um, my grandmother taking care of me and it was kind of, it's kind of a blur. Most of the parts, aside from the fact of me just knowing that I was sick and I can remember everyone looking at me and, and I, sometimes I wonder if that's kind of where it came from. Um, but other than that, I, I do remember at the very end of that episode of me being ill, um, you know, a day or two later, um, my mom was then sick. And I remember my dad coming home and I was crying saying, my, you know, mom sick now, mom's sick now. And my dad, uh, saying, and I vividly remember this conversation in the kitchen and my dad saying back to me, that's impossible. You know, she can't have what you have. And to this day, I, I would never bring it up to my parents because they would probably look at me like I was crazy. But to this day, I, I don't even know if I was, I, you know, was it food poisoning? Was I actually, you know, sick with a stomach bug? Was it, you know, or had I eaten something, you know, it's, it's a, it's a blur, but from that point on, um, it was always kind of in the back of my mind, like, uh, as a child, it wasn't as bad, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, it was just kind of in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, that kid over there is sick. I don't really want to sit next to him or, you know, how kids are, they're very, you can't they don't know their kids. They just do. And so right. I just, you know, I would be like, oh, I don't want to be around that kid. He, you know, he got sick last class that I was with him or, and those things would stick with me. Um, and then moving into junior high and high school, um, there was really a, a point where I think uh, I had forgotten 
And then about eighth grade, um, that was the last time that I can remember, um, aside from once in my adult life, that I got sick. But I do remember I stayed home from school for about a week and my mom um, would say, you know, you have to go to school. And I'm like, I'm still sick. And she's like, no, you're not like, you're fine. But I was so afraid because I wasn't sure. And, um, that developed, I think that was the start of my, my generalized anxiety because from there I would, um, you know, being an adult now and looking back at the time I was unaware. Um, but I, my anxiety, the way I was able to, um, communicate that to my parents was a stomach ache. Um, I would, I would have this terrible stomach ache. And, uh, at the time, you know, my mom was concerned because her daughter had all of these stomach aches. So she took me to a doctor and they did upper GI, they did all of these number of tests and came to the conclusion that I had, um, acid reflux issues. Okay. So that's great. So they put me on a prescription and, um, but it obviously was not, I guess, you know, that I, looking back, that's not what it was. It did not provide me with any relief. If anything, it was a placebo effect, um, that was able to mask, you know, what I was feeling for a short period of time, um, until I became more aware, probably early adulthood. Um, I went on vacation with my husband and this was more recently, probably about a year. No, wow. Maybe four years ago. Um, we had eaten dinner at this restaurant. Not long after I ate, I was not feeling so hot. And mind you, at the time we were not married. We had been dating for maybe, I don't know, a year and a half. And when I woke up in the middle of the night and I was, ha- I mean, I was sweating, panic attack. And he, I'm lucky he didn't leave me. <laughs> he probably looked at me and was like, what is going on? And when I looked at him and I said, you know, I don't feel good. Um, I think I'm going to vomit. And he's like, okay, well then do it. I'm like, I can't. And he's like, what do you mean you can't? I'm like, I I can't. I don't know how. I don't know what to, I, I can't. And he's like, well, you, he's, you know, poor guy. He's looking at me like, I can't help you more here, sweetheart. Like, and, you know, I survived. And that was a very, a good opening conversation to him about something that I had struggled with silently for a really long time. Um, because I, I, didn't tell anyone about it because I always thought I was the only one. I listened to your first podcast. Um, and so I can relate to that. Uh, I didn't think that, that this was a thing. I just thought I was strange. (laughs) So, um, it is still something that I struggle with today. Um, it, I, if I'm busy, I don't think about it as much until someone in my class or, you know, someone close to me is like, I'm not feeling good, you know, or my husband. And I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, that fight or flight. And I, I, I'm more aware of myself now. And, um, I, I try to work through it on my own and I have a therapist and, um, you know, it's it, but it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's it, because you don't really, and I think that's where my topic came from is like, if I knew a STEM, if I knew where this came from, I might be able to address it head on, but it's just such a broad thing right now that I can't really, and I don't really have the time to sit down and sort through all these unhashed emotions about something, which I know isn't a good excuse. Um, but it, it really is a tough, you know, feat and it's, it's an unfortunate one because it's hard to relate for people just like any anxiety disorder. I think uh, though, if you don't understand, then you don't understand. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not alone in that either. I mean, there are a lot of people that, that don't, a lot of emetophobic people that don't understand. And there are a lot of therapists who tell us things that aren't even right. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember going to a therapist who said, well, you must have been sexually assaulted or molested or whatever. Let's do hypnotism and see if we can get, and I was like, I, I didn't even know who might on God's green earth have assaulted me because, yeah. you know, I just had a great relationship with my dad and uncles and my brother. And right. Whatever. Anyway. No, anyway, you're right that, though. I had the um, same experience. They, is that right? They, yeah, oh, yeah. They told you that. Yeah, they. Well, it wasn't sexual. Well, they didn't say that directly. Um, it was said, you know, it it must be something from your childhood. And I'm like, right. You know, I I I'm sure it is something from my childhood, but I don't think it was anything of that nature. And then they're like, well, you know, it could be repressed. And I'm like, I, it could be, but I I I'm too aware of myself. I'm too aware of. Right. For that to be the case, I, I just know that for a fact. I like the way you say that. I think that's really important for our listeners because that's a frustrating thing in and of itself for somebody to sort of tell you, "Oh, something happened and you don't remember it," mm-hmm. and and you kind of know, "No, I I know I would remember it because right. I remember everything." Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So that's that's really important. So you were five years old the first time you remember being afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were sick. And then your mother was sick afterwards. Were you f- afraid when you were sick? Or do you think you were more afraid when she she was sick? You know, that's a great question. And I and now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was her. Because when I remember what I can, I know that there was a struggle for me to get somewhere where it was appropriate for me to vomit as opposed, you know, a child, you're sick. You don't know. It just happens. And I remember Mm -hmm. my mom kneeling next to me and looking me in the eyes, like a mom does, you have to get to the toilet. And I was just like, okay, "Okay, I have to get to the toilet. And so I, at the end yeah. of oh, my set, right. right, exactly. <laughs> and towards the end of my sickness, I remember I was laying on the couch and I started feeling nauseous. And, uh, and I was like, let's go lay in the bedroom. And my mom's like, why we're, you know, we're here. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just want to go lay in the bedroom. I'm tired. And I think that was my first time, um, of, uh, exhibiting avoidance. Like, right. I'm going to go somewhere that's away from the bathroom, that's away from, and, and hopefully I, I won't have this feeling anymore. Totally unrelated, but I do that now as an adult. If I don't feel well, I'm like, I'm just going to lay here and I'm going to let it pass. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And not unrelated. That's not unrelated. That's, that's a thing. You know, there are some people that are, they're even, they won't go to the bathroom. Like that, they're like, the last thing I want to do is to go to a bathroom. They'll go outside or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, what Can you tell me what, you know, let's see if we can figure a couple things out for fun. <laughs> <laughs> a, weird, a weird way of having fun. No. But nevertheless, um, what was your childhood like? Like, the you know, the, the first five years of your life? It, it's 
What I can remember, it was nice. I, I had a very close relationship with my grandmother. Um, both of my parents worked um, a decent amount and I spent a lot of time with her and she and I were very close. She was the maid of honor in my wedding. Um, she was my best friend. And so it was, it was really nice. And I, I actually, I hope my mom never listens to this, but as a child and even growing up, I would prefer to be with my grandmother. And I, I just felt safe. I felt comfortable. And I even projected my emetophobia in that way as well, because I felt she was safe. I felt like if I was with my grandmother, everything's fine. She's going to take care of me. And it wasn't that nobody else was going to. I just, I had that, you know, thought in my, in my mind as a child. And, and it carried through the majority of my life. I always loved being with my grandmother. Um, but other than yeah, that, that's uh, it was, it was a pretty good um childhood. I I had my share. I mean, my mom was very anxious, so I know where I get my anxiety from. Um, she was always very protective, very strict, um, you know, worst case scenario type of person. And that definitely rubbed off on me a little bit. Uh, but I think that the fact that I'm aware of that helps me get a handle on my thoughts and get a handle on, on my own personal anxiety. Right, right. And, you know, um, I don't know if your mom will ever listen to this. <laughs> if you don't tell her about it, I'm pretty sure she won't listen to it. Um, but, you know, it's not about blaming our moms or our parents or anything. Um, and, and our moms especially can get really kind of, they don't like therapists. They're like, she'll just blame me, you know. <laughs> um, but it's, <laughs> it's not about blaming um, mom as much as it is about, you know, just trying to kind of figure it out. Cause obviously your mom's an okay person because you had a nice childhood. You didn't say, Oh my God, my childhood. Right. Right. But there, there is quite a bit of us, uh, you know, scientific thought behind the idea that our attachment to our mothers follows a specific course, like an kind of an arc, you know, in our lives. And it begins with being 100% dependent upon them when we're born, obviously. Um, and it kind of moves through our childhood when we first start to separate from them, say at five years old, going to kindergarten or whatever, and throughout, you know, and then teenagehood, and then we can go out on our own. And sometimes things happen that interrupt that natural progression. Um, and so that's not about blaming mom. Like sometimes it's just mom went to work, you know, mm -hmm. or I, I had a client one time, a little girl who was about eight years old. She had two younger siblings. And both times when mom went into the hospital to have the babies, she got like, a, you know, a, a norovirus. And she, she, her mom wasn't there and she couldn't get a hold of her mom because her mom was in labor having a baby both times. And so, you know, I, I just kind of just put a tick mark with that. I wouldn't even look any farther. They were a lovely family. Lovely. I met the mom and the dad. They were so nice and just a beautiful, beautiful family. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's thing, it's something like that. Mm -hmm. And you preferred to be with your grandmother, I imagine there was something that interrupted that natural kind of 
attachment. I don't know what, you know, who knows? Did your, your mom went, went to work and your grandma looked after you? Is that kind of how it yeah. That went? Yeah. 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 So no matter how, how great grandma is or dad or, you know, it's not the same as our mothers. Um, and the other thing that, that kind of hit me from what you said is that your mother was an anxious person and strict, which is another thing that's mm-hmm. kind of. What what kind of strict was she? Can you give me an example? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, as a, a child, it was just very, um, you know, I would, you know, want to go to friends' houses. And it's like, well, not today. And it's like, well, so-and-so gets to go. And it's like, no. Or everyone got to ride their bike across, you know, that big street. And I was never mm-hmm. allowed which some of the things looking back were reasonable. Um, Others, you know, I'm not a mother yet, so I can't attest to how I would have responded. Um, But then growing older into teenage years, and she and I have kind of talked about it, you know, I can't tell you one time that I ever was honest with her about where I was going, but because I couldn't be. If I told her, hey, mom, I'm going to, um, you know, so-and-so's house, uh, who you don't know their parents, uh, she would have totally been you know, no off the bat. So I would have to lie. And she admits now, like she understands that that wasn't the best route because, you know, God forbid something would have happened to me in those years. She would have had no idea where I was. Right. Um, Yeah. Or go somewhere and tell mom a lie. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) With the other choice. Right. Yeah. That's so funny. I have three kids and they, um, they're like 44 and 37 and I don't know what 30 something anyway (laughs) now they are but they they joke now about how they would do something but not that they wouldn't tell me where they were going they they would just decide um hey let's jump out of an airplane or let's go down to that lake where there's a 60 foot cliff and dive off of it you know yeah Uh, don't tell them don't tell mom, don't tell mom. That was always the thing. But they, they turned out without any anxiety disorders. But uh, yeah, well, it sounds like your mom, though, was really anxious. Yes. Like that's, it, that's not so much strict. I mean, I, I guess it it plays out as strict. But that's really anxious. Like she was scared about what yes. would happen to you. Yes. And, you know, anxious moms and make for anxious kids they really they really do um in in people with anxiety disorders about 50 percent of it uh, can be attributed to just genetics so you and i and everybody listening um is is just we have a predisposition to getting an anxiety disorder which one is it going to be? You know, <laughs> that, yeah, you're the lucky person who gets to be afraid of puppies. I just wrote a blog about that. When you're finished treatment, you get a puppy. <laughs> what do we get? <laughs> we get to we get to vomit. Oh, yay. yay! Okay. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's about half of it that accounts for it. But these phobias are kind of a perfect storm. It, it could have been. I mean, I always think when I hear five years old, that that is when you go to kindergarten. And there's something about that separation from mom and grandma, um, that when you have an anxious mom, that, you know, that that's already kind of scary. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And even if you don't really, you know, even if it didn't go so far as that you had separation anxiety, still, that's a sort of scary time. And then you got sick. And then your mom got sick. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what five year olds are thinking. Uh, but I've got grandkids that are around mm-hmm. that age. And I think they must think, Oh, my gosh, like, I felt like I was gonna die. Is my mom gonna die? You know, like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it, it could be just about anything. So I don't really think that we need to, you know, grasp at straws, really, for what uh, these phobias are a a big, huge piece of bad luck as to which one you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And you might have, had, you know, because if you get like a, a phobia of puppies, then there's enough puppies around that it, you get over that over time. But we don't, well, we don't vomit very often, especially the no. older we get, you know, it's like to every 10 or 20 years. Right. So then we build it up in our minds to be this great, big, huge, catastrophic awful thing that we must avoid at all costs. But um, do you have any theories yourself about what anything else that may have contributed to it for you? Um, yeah, I, I think there's a few things. One being um, I'm a very type A person. Um, I like things in order. I like things planned. I like being in control. And I think that the big thing with vomiting is you are completely out of control. And I don't think I, I don't actually, I know I don't like that feeling of, you know, not being able to decide the way that my body reacts. And I'm a science major. I have taken my fair share of anatomy, physiology, biology, microbiology, all you name it. And Every time we get to the sec- any section or in my previous courses, you know, gastrointestinal, those types of things, I, I really listen because I try to, my mind thinks in that way, um, very black and white. And I try to remind myself that it's a reflex, you know, like anything, like sneezing, like, and that'll get me through an anxiety bout or two. Um, but then I think that the other thing that, and it kind of goes along with losing control is embarrassment. You know, I feel like right. I still feel like a five-year-old because, you know, my mm. husband, he's like, I don't feel good. I think I'm going to vomit. I'm going to go to the bathroom or I am going to remove myself from the situation. Whereas I have avoided it for so long that when it comes down to me feeling that way, I don't even know how, like, am I going to, am I not going to, is this my anxiety? Is this not my anxiety? Am I going to be a 27 year old in class, like a, like a third grader (laughs) and get sick unannounced and everyone's going to see me. And it's so embarrassing. So I think that those, if I had to pinpoint it, it'd be those two, um, being the out of control and then embarrassment, because obviously I wasn't in front of anybody when I had food poisoning. Um, but yeah, I was still very, you know, amped up with my anxiety level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that, those are pretty, that's pretty insightful. And I think that most of the people listening could also relate to those things. You know, there's a lot of shame around it. There is embarrassment and we do revert to feeling like five-year-olds, all of us, because adults don't generally vomit in front of any, you know, like, right. Right. have enough warning that we can kind of go away. Um, 
but but emetophobics sort of believe that they won't, which isn't true. That's not yes, true. Yes, you're absolutely you'll, right. You'll be you'll be fine. You know, you'll you'll have plenty of warning. Um, if you didn't, and it's embarrassing, sure, but you know, like your pants could fall off, right? <laughs> and that would be really embarrassing. But but you don't spend your whole life worrying about your pants. What kind of pants? Have I pulled my pants up lately? Are the zippers working? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like yes. So there are lots of things that could happen that yes. are extremely unlikely. Um, so we just don't bother, you know, worrying about it or thinking about it. And Vomiting probably fits into that category mm -hmm. and we need to put it there. Um, but uh, yeah, but we're talking about causes today. And, and um, <laughs> I like to use the term things that contribute to it as opposed to caused it because there's no cause, you know, mm -hmm. there are, it's a perfect storm of a bunch of contributing factors. And the good news is here's the good news, which we can end with today. <laughs> <laughs> The good news is it's treatable and it's the same treatment regardless of how you got it or why. You know, you 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 can never go back to being five and, you know, see a videotape of what was going on inside your own head. But it doesn't matter because now you have this, um, you said you have a therapist, which is great. You're working on it. It is treatable. It can, it can take a while, but it you can get over it and you can and obviously you you live a very like you've got a relationship you have a job you're yes you know you, there are some people who don't have any of those things because there's their emetophobia is so bad so good for you good Thank for you, you. Yeah. yeah um yeah I think that's pretty much everything that I had written down to ask you. I hope it's been a little bit helpful. No, it has. And yeah, that's <laughs> it's nice. This podcast is great. I think it's um, very appropriate and very appreciated. Um, I know I plan to listen to the rest of them. Um, I think it's just nice. I think that that, I think that listening to other people has a comfort in and of itself that, yes. you know, it's, you're not the only one it's going to get better. It can get better. Like you said. Um, and just knowing that you're not it, some, you know, I said it earlier, some, you know, weirdo, like this is a thing. Right. This is very, understandable. We are not weirdos. We're yes, not. We're I'm not weirdos. <laughs> we should get some t-shirts made that say that. <laughs> yeah. And really tiny print emetophobia. Yes. You know, like. <laughs> yes. I bet you would spark some yeah. conversations. Well, you and I are looking at each other, so we know we're not, we don't even look weird, you know, right. but uh, <laughs> we're, not, we're definitely not weirdos. Right. Well, you're delightful, Giselle. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. The whole community thanks as well. And um, we'll talk again maybe sometime. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. <laughs>